All right. Welcome to Debatable. I'm Dominique Foxworth. That's Israel Gutierrez. We're not talking about his hometown Miami Heat. Yet. Well, at least not yet. Yeah. What well, we got, Alabaster? Guys, we have to start with this game one of Lakers and Nuggets. My head is spinning. It was an incredible basketball game. And after game one, has your opinion about this series changed? I guess I feel like I have a little bit more confidence in the Lakers than I did before. I didn't think that the Lakers were going to be able to put up much of a a, a fight. Like I, I thought they'd win a couple games here or there, but they seemed like they had some advantages, which I, I the AD athleticism advantage over Jokic is something that we saw in the defensive end from time to time. But Jokic is still pretty much unstoppable. And LeBron's sizing advantage when he uh, – manages to accept the fact that he can't shoot from outside this year, at least not in the playoffs in particular, and goes down in the post and forced him to switch uh, Jamal Murray on him. He's, he has impact offensively. So yeah, they, they didn't have as much trouble scoring as I thought they would. Uh, their issue on defense is going to be an issue as long as the Nuggets keep shooting as well as they shot in this game. I don't know if it can be considered a great game if the first half was trash, right? I mean, not the first half was trash. It was just sort of a runaway for for a minute there from the Nuggets. But in the second half, it did get, like, in terms of strategy, really interesting there when you switched over to Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic and you just had uh, Anthony Davis helping essentially off of Aaron Gordon, who you're not going to be afraid of shooting a three. And it seemed to be a pretty interesting strategy um, and one that really bogged down the Nuggets half court offense. And uh, Alabaster might've mentioned before that he was reading about Jared Vanderbilt and Walker Kessler. And uh, when they were in Utah, having the similar success by switching and putting Vanderbilt on Jokic and letting the, the big man and Roman help. And I think, you know, LeBron has been in so many playoff series and the first half where it didn't get away from him and, you know, become a 30 point game where they could use the second half, even though they lost, use the second half to kind of figure out where to go in this series um, with their rotation, with their play calls, with everything else. I think that second half made me change my opinion of the series. Now, Dominique, uh, how how like glued are you to your picks when you make them? Like, I mean, I'm not very glued to any of the picks. I, I'm not a fan of any of these teams. So are we, are we considering some some flip flopping? Is that what's no, happening? Well, so I just wanted to say sort of take you through my path of picks okay. this year. Right. So the preseason, I right now look like a genius because in the preseason, apparently, because it says it on there, I don't actually remember sending it. Uh, I picked the heat over the nuggets to win the championship. Oh, and this wow. is in October. And wow, I've got the final four. I'm actually the only person left on that preseason poll who has a chance to have it actually right. Um, but within this postseason, I have picked the Grizzlies to beat the Lakers. The Bucks to beat the Heat. The Warriors to beat the Lakers. Ugh. And I just sent in the other day, did not feel great about it, Lakers in seven. Okay. So I'm actually sitting on both sides of the fence right now. Preseason Denver in the finals. Right now, I got Lakers in the finals. So it's win-win for me. But I think right now, based on that second half, I have flopped right back to the Lakers. Um. Yeah. I was having sort of a, a text exchange with Laker homer Bill Plachke uh, of Around the Horn, and he sort of talked me into the Lakers because I was originally going to say Denver in seven. Um, but the idea of Anthony Davis's ability currently 
with LeBron James's brain and occasional ability still um, with the pieces that they have to throw at them. Yeah. I, I think they can slow down the Nuggets enough, slow down Jokic enough and hope that they don't shoot that way uh, from the three-point range they did in the first half for the entire series. So let's also take a second to point out that LeBron James did another chase down block and he still somehow at 38 is still doing explosive athletic things that no one else is capable of doing, at least. And, um, or not no one else, but most people. Well, no one who's 38 is 6'9 <laughs> or 6'8, 260 pounds and doing that except for him. He's the only person on earth that's that size and this age that can do that. That's impressive. I think what watching him calculate in the course of the game is one of the more fun things. If you take a, a few possessions in a row where you just watch LeBron James, you'll watch him take off a couple plays defensively. You'll watch him take off a couple plays offensively, but you'll also mm -hmm. be able to watch him figure out what the opponent is doing and then adjust the offense on the fly to attack it. Your point about Rory Hachimura is a good one. He is big enough big. to defend uh, Jokic one-on-one, -on -one, and he's not going to stop Jokic, but neither is AD. So it's nice to have someone who can, like, put up a similar fight to AD and free AD up to still roam and uh, protect the rim because Denver's great close to the rim. It's a little different when AD is there, and AD is the, the anchor to this defense. While we talk about how this defense is all good, we talk about all these great perimeter defenders that they added, it's really good because – the rim is being protected by uh, Anthony Davis. So all that being said, I think, yeah, I, it, it makes me a little bit more confident in the Lakers, but you're still going to be relying on a lot of guys who I don't know that I trust. And I guess I should. Rui Hachimura might be shooting the best out of anybody from three in the playoffs right now. And I guess I just assume that it's going to stop at some point, but it has to keep going because you can't have him out there if he's going to be an offensive liability, no matter what he allows AD to do. If he's not going to hit open shots on the other end of the floor, then that's going to be a problem. Relying on Austin Reeves to hit big threes at the end of the game. It's a lot. And I, maybe these are guys, uh, Lonnie Walker, relying on Lonnie Walker to make a shot. Maybe these guys that we can count on, but it's, it's kind of uh, striking to me that the big shot takers for uh, the Nuggets – uh, Jokic and Murray uh, and the big shot takers for the Lakers, whether it's by design or not, seem to be guys like Austin Reeves. And Well, let me stop you there because I was just about to ask you, did you have this with Austin Reeves? Like, I, I knew he would be something, right? Like, and then he just kept getting a little bit better. And then he's just becoming like big three playoff reliable. Like it's yeah. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Like I know Schroeder doing his thing on occasion, Russell doing his thing on occasion, but it's Austin Reeves every night. And man, this is, you know, a pleasant shock when you get a guy out of nowhere that becomes this when, you know, LeBron needs the kind of luck, right? LeBron needs this luck in order to be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised by it. I think he's been really good and I keep expecting him not to turn into a complete pumpkin, but not be a prince all night, just be like a regular guy. But he still keeps coming up big and making big plays. What's up? We got an interjection. Okay, so on the Austin Reeves thing, if I'm listing players in the series, the four best players are obvious. You got Jokic, Davis, LeBron, Murray. Fifth, would you take Austin Reeves before Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been a big, uh, well, I wouldn't say big, but I've a been an admirer of Austin or of Michael Porter Jr.'s athleticism and shooting ability for his size. So many other things about him that I, do not make me a fan, 
But seeing him play, it's hard when he's that size. He can shoot as well as he can. Uh, it's hard to go with Austin Reeves, but Austin's more of a two-way player than Michael Porter is for reasons I don't completely understand, but it, it happens to be the case. I would just put Michael Porter Jr. beside LeBron James right now, and I picture LeBron just being so frustrated with him uh, in several different elements. And so, yeah, I'm going to lean Austin Reeves in terms of consistently making the winning play. Right. And because he can do everything else in terms of shoot the ball, in terms of handle, I mean, they were going no point guard because he could give some relief there with LeBron James late. So, yeah, I, I got to say Reeves there. I think um, before we move on, we have not appreciated Jokic enough. I think it's fair to say he was the best player on the court. You brought up those top four. There was one, and then there was everybody else. Like the contributions that he made. He had like 20 rebounds by halftime, it seemed like. He was, and that's not even the most impressive part. He was hitting threes. He hit a runner and he was backing people down. Like just, and then he's passing ridiculous midair passes like he's an explosive athlete, but he's not. So like, <laughs> it just, it was an incredibly impressive di display. If he hasn't had the full coming out party just yet, this feels like anybody else that might've had some doubt about him being on the top tier. You can put that to rest after what he did today. Well, I mean, it it kind of feels like this postseason, he's been like, all right, you guys wanted to to somehow, for some reason, trash me so that you can give Joel Embiid this award. Um, you can go ahead and give him the award. I will show you my MVP-ness in the postseason. And, uh, you know, Joel Embiid can have that. And look how he looks currently. And so, Jokic, and the funny part about um, this sort of conversation we had early on about what to do if you've got... Uh, who was it? Rui Hachimura on his back and just AD helping. Um, well, the answer is probably just go ahead and hit a little bit more of those turnaround floaters, maybe those hook shots, and just go to work on, on Hachimura and don't worry about what the help is going to be because you can hit those eight to 10 foot shots. And so, yeah, it makes it just a little bit easier for, uh, to, for him to figure out where his shot's coming from when it's just a little bit, all right, I'm just going to post up this guy who's a little bit shorter than me. Yeah. All in all, I think this was a good night because I was not sure if this was going to be a competitive series. And it feels like at least uh, the Lakers are going to make the games close, which is a start. Let's get us a game seven. I, I wasn't looking great. for game seven. I was thinking six tops. But well, the good thing the is all the games start at 830. So it doesn't. Matter. Oh, magnificent. <laughs> all right. Give me my check. Moving on. Somehow, somehow Philly took another L tonight. You hate to see it. Um, let's move on to, you talked about some dominant centers, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic. Can I interest you in a more dexterous seven foot four alien with a seven, nine wingspan who's going to take the mantle from David Robinson and Tim, Tim Duncan, the San Antonio Spurs got the number one pick. What does that mean for Victor Weminyama and for the NBA? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable <laughs> that the Spurs, like, I know the Spurs put themselves in position for this. I know that it was, you know, same three chances as a uh, same percentage chance as two other teams. And, but it's just funny when you think about it, right? Like they maximized, absolutely maximized what they got out of David Robinson and Tim Duncan, certainly for Tim Duncan. Uh, I would say in the David Robinson era, a lot, lot of competition. So I would say Max still maximized what they did with him. And when I think about the Spurs, I constantly think about the one team in the league, and I mean, not the one team, but 
clearly the team in the league that most needs to win to sort of remain in its yeah. place because why are they there? They shouldn't be in San Antonio. I mean, there's no offense to San Antonio, but yeah. they have no other professional team, right? So the fact that this team has been wildly successful in San Antonio is crazy. And for people to say, oh, like, oh, they don't deserve it, whatever, if there's probably like conspiracy theorists and say they're it's just like, why would the league need to prop up that market? You know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. And so the thing that's exciting to me is like, Victor Wembanyama is a guy with so much potential that you don't want it ruined. Yeah. And that organization is one of the organizations where you feel safe putting him. Um, you've got the Tony Parker connection in terms of, uh, you know, the French connection and him probably telling him, look, you're, you're good here in this organization. And while they do play, meaning the Spurs and Popovich tends to play, you know, traditional style of basketball, they were that team that like was whipping it around the perimeter and shooting a bunch of threes against the heat before the Warriors like lit it up. So I do think that he's going to be plenty, you know, open to how Victor wants to play and just implementing this whole alien aspect of his game and just introducing it to the NBA, I think will obviously allow that to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, Greg Popovich is a good coach, a smart coach. Maybe he's a little older and old-fashioned, but he's not a, a a fool. You get Victor in there, and then you start with the things that he does, and then you figure out how to allow him to do those things and fit pieces in around him offensively. The good thing is he does everything well, so they're going to be in good shape. And I, I like what you're saying, and I agree with you to a degree on – feeling like he's in a good place because of the history there, that organization, their work with international players specifically. And uh, it seems like one of the most stable organizations we have in professional sports. However, I think Kawhi Leonard would disagree with you on him being in good hands. I suspect that he already, not I suspect, I know he already has a team of his own around him that will protect him. I, I hope that the the Spurs will um, do everything they can to protect his big and unique body because he's going to be special for this league for years to come. He's not a soft, uh, I guess the stereotype of European players being soft has been dead for a long time. But uh, you see him and you think he's frail. He's, he's frail, I guess. He's thin, but he's not soft. He's aggressive. He's physical. He's everything you want out of a player. And uh, I think they'll be able to build around him pretty easily he's he has Jokic ability in my mind and that he's going to make the players around him uh, a little bit better my only counter to that Kawhi Leonard point is it's kind of a freak injury like they did with Kawhi what you would want them to do with Victor they turned him into the best possible player right. that they could that he wanted to be so if you assume Victor wants to be that level of great then you feel like you know without any sort of freakish sort of injury or genetic condition, maybe, um, then he should be able to turn out. And it's not just because of him, um, but, you know, I've done a couple of stories on a man and a star Thompson, who I think are going to be like really good. Um, you know, say what you will. Like I have a couple of hesitations on Scoot Henderson, but I mean, look at that guy. Like he looks ridiculous. I, I think, you know, this is going to be one of those drafts. It's going to be one of those drafts where like the top 10, top 12 is going to be littered with all stars in, in just a couple of years. And, you know, you got guys like Brandon Miller moving up the draft. It's because he's really good too. And, uh, you know, versatile. And I think it's got a lot of freakish players, like not just Victor, uh, the Thompson twins, et cetera. Um, I, I think, I think it's going to be a, a solid, solid draft. Obviously um, when Benyama at the top of it and 
Um, the Spurs, the other thing they do well is find a lot of talent, uh, kind of like the Heat undrafted talent. They've got guys in their roster that they were able to play a lot this year because they weren't very good and really got a feel for 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 what they like and and who can fit around that group, uh, around Wimbenyama. So, I mean, I like the fit. I like it a lot so better we, than if it happened in Houston or landed in so Houston. We're not respecting any conspiracy theories at all. Like, I, I get that they don't want to prop up San Antonio. But when you have a player that's this special, he could drive a lot of revenue for the league as a whole. He may be the first big man that could push a shoe. They don't well, want to mess that up. Go ahead and send him down to Charlotte. See what happened. That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, and that would be the conspiracy that would get me. Uh, but it's just like, ooh, no, just teaming with Michael Jordan used to seem like a crazy good thing. But now feels like it's, uh, yeah. Not Are they selling now anyway? He's out of there, right? That's the yeah, point. I guess but, if you, know, you got if you get Victor, Victor, maybe yeah, you, you stick around and figure it out. All right. Alabaster, get us up out of here. Uh, I got a couple interjections first oh. before we move. First one, Dominique. Coming right for you with this. The Spurs, they've tanked twice. Yeah. They got Tim Duncan and Victor Wembanyama. Do you think that is unethical? Of course I do. <laughs> I absolutely think that tanking is unethical. I mean, it's, this tanking. They're so good at it. It doesn't mean that you can't do it. There are lots of things that are unethical that benefit you or benefit your team. There are unethical things that I would definitely do because it would benefit me. I'm not saying that uh, they did the wrong thing. Well, I guess I am by saying it's unethical, but it is like uh, when they had a, a Tim Dun or they had a David Robinson injury, right? The Tim Duncan year. And then they kind of really rested him up and leaned in on it. Yeah, it was unethical. Year. Yeah, unethical. And then what they did the last couple of years. Yeah, because you are it's it's presumed that you are in a understanding with all the rest of the teams that we're going to do the best that we can. To me, it feels wrong to have everyone else out there playing good basketball, trying to sell the product and grow the game. And you sitting at home stinking on purpose so that you can get better. Play your best. Play your hardest. Put the best team you can out there. Try to win every game. Let the chips fall where they may. And then you lose your job and talk about it Arguably. on TV like me. Arguably the greatest coaching job of Greg Greg Popovich's career. <laughs> Pop is Pop is shaking his fingers, going, "Oh, I'm so immoral." Um, yeah, I, next, I don't uh, think that he cares what I think, but if he asks me, I'll tell him, and he knows well, it he, in his he heart. He watches heart. the show three times a week, so he knows Pop, it in his heart. In. He knows um, it. Last interjection. So we got like Woj and others saying this is the best prospect in the history of the NBA Woj was far to say the history team of team sports. sports. Yeah. yeah tough, saw that. tough look when Rain, Wayne Gretzky, you know, scored 182 points before the year before he ended, ended the NHL. And, uh, you know, we have others, Kareem, Wilt, but are we putting too much pressure on Wembenyama and what's realistic? Cause we saw took seven years for Jordan to win championships, eight years for LeBron um and down the line and he's out there being like i want to get a ring asap what is yeah. fair to expect immediately from someone like this of course so we're putting too much pressure on him all right okay please right off the bat. yeah of yeah. course i mean yeah internationally way too much pressure on him um but the thing about him so i don't know if you guys see this the same way i do but like lebron james kind of comes in as like the perfect prospect and, you know, talks about championships, knows the NBA, like you just, all right, well, let's see what you got. And the second you see it, all right, now go win titles. Um, I feel like that with Victor Wembanyama won't be as sudden because we kind of want to see what he is. We want to see him develop into whatever 
a freakish scorer, athlete, you know, all around player that he is. And then it's almost like we're learning with him. Hey, how are we going to utilize you? If you are this unstoppable, will it just be as, wow, it's going to be seven or eight or nine championships, like in the prime of his career. I think we're just kind of intrigued to see it all. Um, because I still think there are people that are probably wondering if he's a bit frail for the more, you know, physical NBA game, even though, and I talked to Jonathan Gavoni for ESPN daily the other day, but he, he likes the NBA game. Like he has built up his game, not for the game he's been playing his whole life in Europe, but for the NBA game. And you saw when he had the G League uh, game against the Ignite at 37 and 36, and it was just doing everything that you would think a guy, a Dur- uh, not a Dirk, uh, uh, he is a Dirk. Yeah, wow. No, I, think, I was uh, going to say that the current Dirk in Dallas and his name is escaping me. Um, uh, Luca. Luca Doncic. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's late. Uh, and doing things that you would see Luka Doncic do in the league currently. And it's just like, all right, maybe, you know, he has been working on an NBA-ready game yeah. while just kind of doing what he has to do to win, you know, in, in his pro league right now. Um, but I don't think there's going to be that immediate pressure to win championships unless they say, oh, okay, that can dominate. Like, I think we saw LeBron James's body type. We saw his athleticism. We had seen types of players who could do you know maybe similar things now he'd be all in one package but we've never seen Vic so it feels like we're just kind of going to wait and see and then once we see if it's real then go ahead and put the pressure on him. I think he does have uh maybe you had Dirk in your mind because I, I think I read somewhere that his shooting coach is one of Dirk's former coaches and he's added the one leg uh Dirk jumper to his game uh so maybe that's part of the Dirk uh slip However, yeah, I no, think that you're was right. straight profiling. It was Luca oh, yeah, and yeah. Dirk, both yeah, in my yeah. mind, yeah, kind of look the same. <laughs> nah, they'll be okay. Um, the you're right about it. so the way we do the player uh, kind of pressure thing is we have to get to know you first. I think we knew more about LeBron James before yeah. he got in the league. We had more expectations for him, even though Victor may be a better prospect. Uh, and there's also the point that you made about getting to a certain level. So. We're not, we don't come down on guys until they're dominant or until they're like, once they get to MVP level play and we're like, all right, now it's championship time. So he's going to have some time. I think a few years, he's going to have to start uh, getting to the playoffs because that's what happens. You get to the first round, you get to the second round. We we get to know you more. We see you more often. Then we're like, all right, you got to do the next thing. We've seen you do this trick way too often. We need you to see you do the next thing. So he has some time, but yeah, I mean, the pressure that we're putting on him, or at least the expectations, it's way, way too high. It was too high for LeBron. It's too high for any player that comes into the league that we start comparing to all-time greats, saying he's the best prospect ever. Yeah, it's too high. If we would have seen the potential in Giannis when he got into the league, it would have been higher pressure on him. But look at him as an example. I mean, by his, it took him to his fourth year to get to an all-star game. And even then, when we saw that potential, it wasn't until like two years after that, where it's just like, okay, now it's time for you to win. And so that's what, five, six years into his career, once you saw what that total package looked like. So I think it'll be the same with Vic. I think we can just enjoy what we're going to see with hopefully a healthy Victor Wimbanyama all next year. All right, what's next? Do it in the playoffs, Vic. Um, Already. <laughs> the last one. Do you feel like there's a clear favorite in the Heat Celtics Eastern Conference Finals? Yes. Yes. There should be a clear favorite. It's there the... is a clear favorite. 
I'm not going to surprise you. It's the Boston, Boston Celtics. Celtics. Oh, but that's what that's what betting is for, right? That's uh-huh. that's that's what that's that's why you, you want a favorite. For me, this is the thing that has kept me sort of on board with the Miami Heat all year long. Is any single game? Yeah, they can lose any single game, but any single game they can win as long as Jimmy's there and some semblance of a supporting cast, usually Bam as well. And this is why I love this series. Like I, you know, going in blind or in a vacuum, I definitely agree that the Heat have that famous 3% chance against the Celtics uh, going into this series. But all it takes is one game, one performance, one like Jimmy Butler win, uh, winning in game six last year in Boston kind of changes everything. Like he can do that in that setting. He can do that in Miami. He can do that anywhere. And while the Celtics have shown they are versatile. You know, they've got probably seven two-way players that can play at any given time. Um, Jason Tatum, when he's on fire, there's nobody beating them. But they also stumble a lot. They also yeah. make mistakes. They also, you know, rely on Al Horford a lot, which a lot of times works out. But sometimes That's your man. You he was him. a gator like you, right? Yeah, yeah he's, he's my guy. But, um, yeah, I, I just think there should be a clear favorite. But that's the whole excitement about this is yeah there's a clear favorite but we know the underdog has a real chance not three percent in every single game they have a real chance yeah they have a chance um i think the game one will tell us a lot more about this series as game ones tend to do this one because uh we've talked about how these playoffs and you listed all the the series that you got wrong so these playoffs have been incredibly unpredictable for basketball standards and a crazy degree and part of that is because the teams that we're seeing in the playoffs are not the teams that we saw in the regular season. Like the way that they're playing, the style they're playing, the players that are healthy, the players that are involved, it's very different. And the Heat are the best example or the worst example, I guess, of that this season because they weren't good this year. And they've been good in the playoffs. And there's an easy reason why. Jimmy Butler. So uh, when he's playing playoff level, Jimmy Butler basketball the team is better the shooters are better but uh, I mean he's nursing an ankle injury it's hard for me to to believe in anybody else on that roster other than Jimmy Butler despite the fact that they've given us reason (laughs) they're playing well through the course of these playoffs they've given us reason to have faith in them but I just don't (laughs) talent wins in basketball normally I know Spoh's gonna out coach Missoula but they aren't as talented as the other team, and their best player, their Jordan-level player, is on a bum ankle. But you know what's strange to me is if you were to give them all truth serum, who's afraid of who? And you got Jason Tatum talking about when Jimmy pulled up for that three that he yeah. thought it was going in. And so it was one of those feelings, yeah. right? And Jimmy's been saying ever since, I'll take it again, I'll take it again, I'll take it again. Who seems like the more confident player, right? Who seems like the one who felt like they were the better team last year? And so I I think, you know, some of that matters. Some of that matters. And I'm wildly intrigued by the coaching matchup because, you know, everybody's just like, oh, rookie head coach, 34 years old, Joe Mazzula, going to fail somewhat next to Eric Spolstra, right? But Ime Udoka is also a guy who gave Mazzullo a bunch of credit for some of the adjustments they made last year in this series, specifically against Miami. So maybe this is sort of his pet product. Like maybe this is right up his alley. Maybe this is exactly the series where Joe Mazzullo shows off 
after, you know, maybe taking an L or two in that Sixer series. So that part's crazy intriguing to me because if Spoh's got some things in his back pocket that's just going to frustrate the the Celtics, you're going to look directly at the head coach and say, everybody else is the same. This is on you. Right. All right, Alabaster, what you got? First, I'd like to note that Joe Mazzulla is younger than Kyle Lowry and Al Horford. Um, But secondly... Dominique, did you just sneak in that Jimmy Butler was a a, a Michael Jordan level player? A I mean, this, this is this is what we've been oh, talking this. about all playoffs is that he's been playing Jordan level basketball in the playoffs. Like this is not a new thing. Obviously, I, I just Jimmy I Butler just loved it. We, we we snuck it in, and no one batted an eyelash. Yeah, because we've all been saying it for weeks now. Obviously, no one thinks he's Michael Jordan, but he's been Jordan esque. I'll tell you who I think is going to be the difference in the series. And it's the guy that the Heat are always asking for more from. And it's Bam out of bio. And Bam had that sort of lull against the Knicks and recovery in games. What was that? Five and six. And so I think he is sort of in that nothing to lose uh, point where he's just like, if I just bust my play hard and do you know, everything, but just be exhausted the entire time and make sure that we are, you know, we don't get killed on the offensive boards. Um, I think he's going he's gonna to be pretty huge because, you know, I, I don't think Robert Williams is the same player as he was last year. And, you know, again, Al Horford, love him, but he's not going to be a lockdown guy. Yeah. I just watched the, um, in watching the, the Knicks series, I was happy to see Duncan Robinson playing well again, but it still blows my mind that at certain points in that game, they were running plays for Duncan Robinson. That is not a place where you want to be, in my view. Duncan Robinson mm. is a catch and shoot guy, a shooter that you have to re- respect, a space the floor guy. They were running plays on consecutive possessions that was like, all right, Dunky, get yeah, us some so buckets. Counterpoint. I, I know it's not always Duncan get us some buckets. It's we're running the plays for Duncan is because we know how to work off of him. We know the defense might overreact. We know we might get something easy. And if he takes a shot, look. I'm happy with it. If unless okay. that thing's like That's heavily not the point contested, I'm making. I think I'm you're happy right. With it. I'm I understand all the reasons why they are running these plays for Duncan Robinson. But the reason why I bring it up is because that is not a guy that on a normal championship level team that is going to be second in command for play design. That's the but, shock. But, so like but, as much. But that was as, the offense that that was the offense they ran when they got to the, the finals in the bubble. Like it was I, Duncan Duncan It's the same thing with where they had Ray Allen. Ray Allen was not the number one option, but Ray Allen was the guy who started the offense. Oh, no. Why do I always use my hand when I'm doing all this, by the way? Nothing like, wrong with the hand. I'm talking about Duncan Robinson shooting, and for some reason I'm putting up a, like I'm contesting his shot. It makes no I, sense. I love that you got a hand up, man up. However, you said Ray Allen and Dunkey in the same sentence, which is oh, preposterous, but mm. whatever. Ray Allen is obviously a much more complete player and a better shooter than Dunkey. Which one of those two has had a season with more three-pointers? Tim? Or Duncan Robinson, or I'm gonna I don't look know. This you might, be, you might be right. Yeah, this is great entertainment. <laughs> if they were live, this would be a problem, but not a problem. Get us out of here. Play the music <laughs> and drop some confetti. I can't find the fast enough. Good, outstanding. Goodbye, everybody. Because we'll end on this note: Izzy thinks that Duncan Robinson is better than Ray Allen.